0: speaking with aaron today aaron how are you i'm all right man how are you i'm good i'm good this is my relaxing time of the day so (laughs) well i'm just going to give you uh the microphone so to speak and you know tell me what happened okay this was uh this was
2: in october mid-october about six years ago um me and two friends of mine we don't really uh you have to go hunting very much, but we all made an agreement that year that we wanted to go deer hunting. And so we don't have the money for any sort of like private hunting lease or anything like that. So we started researching on the internet, uh, like public land and state parks and stuff like that, that you can hunt at for free. And so we're not far from, uh, this really, really dense forest called the big thicket, which is, uh, I don't know about 30 minute drive east of Sour Lake, Texas. And uh, we decided to look on Google Earth to find a pretty remote place we could go check out. And we were, our plan was was to uh, find a spot and go out and camp and see if we found any signs of deer or hogs or anything like that. So we found uh, a place in the big thicket where this one road goes back, probably five or six miles, this little dirt road into the middle of nowhere. And we're like, well, man, there's there's got to be critters out there. You know what I mean? So let's go make a little one-night camping trip out there and see if we see anything. And so we decided to. And uh, we drove out there, and it's probably a good hour and a half drive from where I live. And um, so we find the dirt road. We get all the way out there, and we find this dirt road. This dirt road is only wide enough for, like, one pickup truck to go down at a time. So... We start heading down this dirt road. We know it's going to take us a few minutes to get all the way to the end because it just dead ends in the middle of this section of the big thicket. And uh, we get off the main road. We turn down the dirt road, and we start going a little ways. And then on the right-hand side, we see a tree. It's probably like the trunk of the tree is probably no bigger than a, a grapefruit or something, about that big around. uh But it snapped about seven foot up from the ground and the top of it with all the limbs and all the leaves and everything was laying across the dirt road and we couldn't pass it. So I got out of the truck and grabbed the machete and I chopped it down. And I was thinking, Hey, we're going to need firewood for tonight. So I grabbed a piece of rope and tied it to the trailer hitch and tied it to the tree and I was like, screw it. We'll just drag this thing all the way to the end. And you know, we'll make firewood out of it. And we went down a little ways further and there's another tree. The same thing, but this time it's on the opposite side of the road, on the driver's side of the truck. So I get out of the truck again. I chop this thing down. I tie it to the back of the truck, and we're just dragging a couple of half trees down the road. And then we hit a third one, and then we hit a fourth one. And, And after repeating this process, and we had four trees tied to the back of the truck, I had to repeat this process probably seven or eight times. It's like the road was blocked almost every so often. So finally we get to the very end of this road. We find a little clearing that's maybe 20, 30 feet off the dirt road from where we parked the truck. And so we set up camp and we decided to go kind of, you know, it's still daylight. I'd say it's probably four or five in the the afternoon by this time. And we had set up our camp and we decided to go walk around and look and see if there's anything, you know, we're looking for signs of deer or, or hogs or anything and, we didn't really see much, and so we decided to say, you know, screw it. The, the sun's going to go down in the next hour, hour and a half, so we'll just go chill at the camp. You know, it's just guys camping, and we all have little one-person tents, and we dug a little fire pit and stuff, and uh, we decided, screw it. We'll just hang out for the night and, you know, cook some sausages and pork chops or whatever over an open fire and hang out, and we'll try and take a look in the morning when we got more time and so yeah we're just you know hanging out drinking a couple of beers and got some sausages on a stick and you know your stereotypical just out in the woods and literally in the, middle, in, in the middle of nowhere like where we were on google earth for like five or six miles in any direction you would point there's nothing but woods i mean we're out there a good ways and so this all starts probably about nine ten at night, right when we're all like, uh, we're going to think about going to bed so we can get an early start in the morning. And we hear a whoop, this weird whooping sound. And it's, it's pretty, pretty far away. It's pretty distant. You know what I mean? And so we all kind of stop and we're like, what is that? Like, it's not a bear. It's not a, not a, you know, uh, a Jaguar or a Cougar, or we just didn't know what it was. And so we sat there and, you know, kind of slipped our minds after a few minutes and we heard it again, but it was, it sounded like it was a little bit closer. It wasn't like way out in the distance. And so one of my friends asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, we, we actually made the joke like, well, you know, what if that's a big foot? You know what I mean? And so I whooped back, right? And then it whoops back. And so that's when we're starting to be like, okay, so this is weird. I hope this isn't some, you know, backwoods hobo that's just decided (laughs) to come mess with us. You know what I mean? Right. And so the whole time we're not realizing, like, we're cooking food over the fire. We got this little baby portable speaker going, listening to some music. Can't really get too loud and stuff like that. And we're just hanging out. And so, uh, I don't know, a good... You know, that that the whooping coming back after I whooped back kind of woke us up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, we're hanging out and talking and this, that, and the other. And then, we hear footsteps. Okay, so, out here in the big thicket, there is tons of pine needles and leaves just all over the ground. So, you would know, if you heard something walking up, you, you know what a deer sounds like walking on four feet, sure. or what a hog would sound like. You know what I mean? You hear the right. the footfall on the leaves and the needles and stuff. Well, this is not on four legs, and th- and you would know like if one of your friends walked off to go like pee behind a tree or something. Him walking back, you would know it, it was him. And this is big, heavy footsteps. This is, and it's coming from a little bayou that was probably 200 yards away from where our little campsite is. Okay. And so, you know, all of our attentions (laughs) got sprung. And so we're looking in the direction that these footsteps are coming from. And now, now mind you, I'm kind of a big guy. I'm six foot five. I'm like 260 pounds. And so I'm clearly bigger than my two friends and we're sitting in our chairs and we hear these footsteps coming and it just keeps getting closer, keeps getting closer. Now there's the, the big thicket is so thick and dense. You can't see more than I'd say 30 foot. You're just going to lose whatever in bushes or shrubs and trees and you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it gets to my best guess. It gets, just to where we can't see what is making these footsteps. It's just like just at that precipice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it stops. I'd say it was it was probably forty to fifty feet from our fire, from our chairs, and you know our our tents and stuff. And it stops, and we all just shut up. And we're sitting. We're looking in this direction where this sound is coming from. And then it starts walking around the camp. It it walks to our right. It starts walking clockwise from where our camp is. And it's just... And one of my friends, he's like... He yells. He's like, hey, who's there? Because we're all... you know, We hadn't really said much to each other. But we're all kind of under the impression like this is something walking upright. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is something on TV. And it stops. And so... And mind you, all three of us have firearms on us. I had a 45 pistol. My other friend had a 9mm pistol. And then my other friend had a shotgun. And when he yelled at it, it stops. And we all got real quiet. There were no more footsteps. And then all of a sudden, we heard kind of like a big limb break. Like a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we all immediately stood up. And they're looking in this direction and I had my 45 and a holster on my waist and I pulled it out and I racked it. And anytime somebody, you know, racks a gun, that's an international language. Right. Right. And so they were like, my, my two friends were like, Aaron, Aaron, shoot at it, you know, scare it off, whatever it is. And so when I stood up, the footsteps started again and it kept walking counterclockwise and there just happened to be this one little clearing that you can see through. It was no wider than four foot across between some bushes and some trees and some other stuff. And right when I stood up, I pointed my gun in that direction and I yelled, I said, if you're a fucking person, you better say something or I'm about to shoot you. And right when I pointed my gun, you know, we've got our flashlights. This is like 10:11 at night. We got our flashlights pointed in that direction. We can't see nothing. And right when I pointed my gun in that direction, I saw it, it stepped out from behind this tree with one step. And it looked like it probably stepped a good seven, eight foot with one stride. Like it was one step and then the other foot left and it was behind these bushes. I will never forget what I saw. And this thing, I, I remind you, this is, I am six foot five. And if I was standing next to this thing, like shoulder to shoulder, the top of my head would have been just above its elbow. Wow. This thing this thing was huge. I, I, I estimate like over eight foot. This thing was huge. Mm-hmm. And it was dark, dark brown. You could see the fur like matted coming off of its forearms like, like really matted fur like you see on a yak or something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right, right. And we could smell this thing. And this thing smelled like skunk, like a dead skunk and body odor, and it it was so pungent. Like it kind of grossed you out, even though it was that far away, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it stepped across and I immediately crouched down and I was like, there it is, there it is. And I'm telling my friends, I saw it because they were still sitting down in their chairs. And so we're trying to shine our flashlights over in that direction. And there was a big old, huge oak tree that it stepped behind. This oak tree had to be three to four feet across when you're looking at it. And it got behind this oak tree, and I yelled at it again. I said, if you're a person, like, I I, I didn't know what I was seeing, man. Like, maybe this is an eight-foot-tall hobo. I I don't know. I've never seen one before. You you never know, know, right? (laughs) Exactly. And so I yelled at it again. I was like, you better say something. And it crouched down. This thing was so wide, shoulder-to-shoulder. It crouched down behind this tree that was like three to four feet across, and it it, crouched down like a catcher. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it put its two hands on the side of the tree, and you could still see the outline of its shoulders and its elbows with all the matted fur hanging off of it. And so one of my buddies was like, shoot it, shoot it, scared away because I hadn't shot yet. So finally I ripped off four rounds square at this tree. I was knowing I wasn't going to hit it because it was – behind this tree and i i was like man this thing's got to run away if i shoot at this thing you know what i mean and i rapped off like four or five rounds at this tree and you know the flash of the muzzle and everything and the loud sounds we didn't have earplugs and we stood there for a minute and then all we heard was a real deep like growl like i can't even imitate this growl like it was a growl like rattle your chest kind of thing And, you know, we're all looking at each other like, oh, my God, what is going on? And so I told Stanley, one of my other friends that had the shotgun, I was like, fire that shotgun. That thing is going to be hellaciously loud. And he stands up and he racks it and he yells again because this thing was walking upright. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he yells at it. He's like, say something, say something. And there was no sound, no growl, no nothing. He shot one round at this tree and then it was totally silent and we stood there like, like stunned. You know what I mean? We can't really see too much, but we can still smell the smell. And so we literally stood there staring at this tree for a good 10 to 15 minutes, like not sitting down, not nothing, just staring in this direction. And so finally we're like, yo, what if we shot this thing? What if there's something dead over there? What if it's a dead person over there? And so it literally took us 20 to 30 minutes to gather up the courage to walk over there to this tree. We finally walk over there. We get to the tree. I shot the tree. Stanley shot the tree. But there's nothing. And if we heard this thing walk in and if it got scared and run off, we would have heard it crashing through the thicket. You know what I mean? Taking right, off. Right. But we didn't hear anything like that. And so we're looking around and we're standing by this tree. It's got bullet holes all in it. And we're shining our flashlights in all directions trying to figure out what's going on. But there's nothing there, Will. We could see big O impressions into the ground to where it, it had walked through to get to this tree. And these impressions in the ground, it's not really a footprint. It just pushed all the needles and leaves down where it stepped. Sure. But the thing had to be like 20 inches or more. And so we're like, oh my God, no one's going to believe this. Like we finally like calmed down, like, okay, whatever it is, is gone. But the thing is, is we can still smell it. We still smell this really bad, like body odor odor and skunk smell.
0: So it's still close by. But there's
2: nothing there. So we go back to, we walk back over to our, uh, our chairs and our little fire that we dug in the ground where our tents are and stuff. And so w- the funny part is, is we were all sitting in the circle around the fire before this happened. So now we move our chairs to the back side of the fire, all facing in that direction. Right? So we're sitting there, nothing's going on every once in a while. I would pick up a stick, throw it kind of in that direction to see if something would happen. Nothing's happening. Like a, a good hour has gone by. You know, we're talking about it. We're like, man, that's crazy. I was like, did y'all see that thing? And only only one of my friends had seen what I saw, but he only saw the tail end of it stepping behind this tree. He's like, I saw a leg or something. I was like, no, I, I saw this thing. And so we're talking about We're dude. We're like, man, no one's going to believe us. You know what I mean? There's no way anyone's going to believe what, what just happened to us when we go back home and tell our other friends and stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. And so we're, we're finally calming down and this, that, and the other. And we're like, okay, well, you know, it dawns on us like, well, the smell is still here. Like, how is that possible if it's gone? So we're like, okay, well, since nothing's really going on, let's, uh, let's go look around again over there by the tree. What if we did shoot it? And what if it's injured? We should look for some blood or something. You know what I mean? Like you shoot a deer that runs off, see if there's a blood trail or something. Right. And so we walk back over to this tree, and there's nothing. We don't see any blood on the ground or shine or flashlights on the ground. And we're trying to make a lot of noise. like We're talking loud. We're not whispering. You know, if that thing's still there, we kind of want to scare it off. And we don't find anything. So we're like, okay, well, let's walk back to the truck. Because I told them I'm going back to the truck just in case this thing is still around. I'm going to grab another box of bullets that I have out of the truck. And I'm put it back in my magazine for my gun. So we pass up our campsite, we walk back over to the truck and we can still smell this smell. We're, we're a good, like 75 to a hundred foot away from this tree we're back on the dirt road where the truck is. And so Michael's like, well, Hey, let's walk down the road to see if we smell that smell down the road. What if it's just a dead skunk or something down the road, or let's walk down the road a little ways, maybe about 50 yards, hundred yards. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. We've got guns. We'll be okay. Right? So we go just randomly walking down the road a little ways and decide, we're going to see if we can still smell this smell and we get down probably good 30, 40, 50 yards and the smell's gone. And so we're like, okay, whatever's making that smell is got to be closer to the camp. You know what I mean? We were probably away from the camp for 30 minutes maximum. And then we come walking back. We get back to the campsite. Our uh, ice chest, we had all of our drinks and our sandwich meat and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Our ice chest had been dumped over and the lid was off of it, all of our stuff's on the ground, all the ice is on the ground. The little pan that we had used to cook this food over the fire was kind of tossed away from the, the fire pit, from where it was sitting. But the thing is, is nothing was taken. Huh? Like there was a, a Ziploc bag with uh, lunch meat, like sandwich meat in it. It was open, but nothing was taken out of it. Our drinks weren't taken. The bread wasn't open. And we're like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we pick our stuff up the best we can. And, you know, we put it back in the ice chest and we're sitting there and we still have our chairs lined up in the direction of that tree. of where kind of in the general direction of where I saw this thing and where we shot at it. And we're sitting there and we're talking. And the smell is still kind of there, but it's not as pungent as it was when this happened. And so... You know, we're talking and I'm like, man, I'm I'm not falling asleep tonight. I know that much. And, you know, we're like, man, no one's going to believe us. And I wonder if we can call somebody or should we call like a, a park ranger? Because this is a this is a, a state forest preserve kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're like, man, we might try and call some people in the morning. You know, maybe we did hit it. We don't know it. We can find some blood or something in the morning or just just to see what we can see. And I was, I was telling him like, man, after what I just saw, like, no joke, I'm not going to sleep. And we're just sitting there talking about it. It's, it's probably been a good hour, hour and a half since we shot at the thing. It's, it's pretty late at night. You know, it's probably midnight or so. And we're sitting there talking, still have our chairs faced at this tree, and we hear the footsteps again. But the thing is, it's 180 degree, degrees behind us. Like, it's coming from where the truck is. And it keeps walking up on us from behind. And so I just told my friends, I said, on three, we are going to stand up, turn around, and we're all going to shoot our guns in that direction. Don't hit the pickup truck, by the way. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we stand up, and we turn around, we point our guns, and we know we're aiming just to the right of where the truck should be. And that's where the, those footsteps are coming from again. And I unloaded 12 rounds of forty five in that direction. My friend with the shotgun shot four or five times. My friend with the 9mm just un- unloaded that thing in that general direction. And the footsteps stopped. And I was like, we're going now. We're running over there right now. We grabbed flashlights. I had one more magazine. I jammed it in my gun. And we literally ran in that direction to see if we could find anything. We got all the way to the road to where we're probably like 20 feet, behind our truck on the road and there's nothing we can see a couple little limbs that i think the shotgun clipped but there's nothing okay and so at this point i'm not gonna mention any names but one of us wanted to go home really bad one of us wanted to leave really bad and i understood because we were all supremely freaked out the smell is back but we can't find anything so we go back to our campsite and we, now we line our chairs up back to back to back, sitting in our chairs, waiting to hear this noise again. We don't hear anything. We sit there literally awake, probably till two, three in the morning. And it's all quiet. The smell goes away. There's no more footsteps. There's no more whooping or anything like that. And so we sit there and finally, one of my friends, the guy with the 9 millimeter, he's like, okay, well, if anybody, if any of us is going to get some sleep, we need to take turns watching. One of us needs to stay awake. And we all agreed upon this. So I said, I'll stay up first. So, mind you, we have these little, you know, one-person tents, right? And they're all kind of in a semicircle around a little fire pit. So my two friends get into their their tents and i'm sitting up just waiting there's no cell phone service out there you can't call nobody because you're in the middle of nowhere and so i'm just sitting up sitting by the fire kind of stoking it throw a few limbs on there because i don't want it to die down too much and before i know it i'm nodding off in my chair i I have no idea how late it is you know what i mean it's definitely past two in the morning And I start nodding off in my chair. And so I stand up and I try and wake up and I drink a soda and I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, well, there's no smell. There's no sounds. I think this is probably just one of the wackiest nights in the woods I've ever had. So I didn't bother to wake up either of my friends. I climbed in my little one person tent, right? Climb in my tent and I zip it up and the fire's dying down. And I don't know if I dozed off or if something woke me up, but I opened my eyes. It's still pitch black outside and the footsteps are coming. The footsteps have come back and it's walking in and it's closer than it's been before. And I immediately snapped to reality and realized like, whatever this is, is back. And so I grabbed my gun. I'm laying in a nylon sleeping bag inside of a nylon tent. And you know, when you move inside of a tent or a sleeping bag, it makes that nylon moving sound. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, I'm not going to make a sound. I'm just going to sit here and hold my gun. And whatever this is, please, please go away. And I'm laying there wide awake. And I know I'm about to make an out- outlandish claim right now. But this is what happened to us. This thing walked up to my tent. This thing was standing over my tent and I know it was because it stepped right next to my tent and I could feel the grass move next to me, like underneath my body. I can smell the smell. It's right there. And then I can hear it, It's so close. Will I can hear it breathing. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it crept down, like kneeled down next to my tent and the top of my tent, just kind of like a light breeze blows through and moves your tent. It's that close. To, I think it's breathing over the top of me and I am not moving the muscle. Like I have never been this scared in my life ever. And I'm just laying there looking at the top of my tent moving ever so slightly. And it starts making this little grunt sound. Well, not a little grunt sound, but it starts making this grunt sound, kind of like, mm, but much deeper. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, what is going on? And I, I think what it's doing is trying to see if we're asleep. You know what I mean? Probably. And it stands up. It stands back up because I, I hear the breathing, and I hear it making these noises. But it was so close the first time, that it stands up and I still hear it breathing, and it starts walking around in our campsite, like in between my tent and one of my friends' tents. And it walks over to the ice chest, which was dumped over earlier. And all I hear is the ice chest fall over and all the stuff pour out of it. I can't see out of my tent. There's no little windows or whatever. And so I, this time it has walked around. Beforehand it was standing. I was laying on my left side. And when it, when I saw my tent moving, I'm pretty sure it was square in front of me but it had walked around to the backside. And I'm not going to roll over. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, if I move, what if whatever this is freaks out? If I shoot, what if I only wound this thing?
0: Could be right on you.
2: And, And just, yeah, it's supremely pissed off. You know what I mean? So I'm laying there. Unbeknownst to me, both of my other friends in their tents right next to me are wide awake listening to the same thing, thinking the same thing, and none of us are moving an inch. We're just laying there. And it probably stayed next to us. Uh, It seemed like an eternity, but my best guess after thinking about all this and running through everything in my mind again, it probably only stayed there for 30 to 45 minutes. It walked around the camp. I'm pretty sure it walked over to where the truck was because there was smudges along the side of the truck and I could hear something hitting the truck. And it it wasn't a windy night. Mm -hmm. It's not like limbs or anything were hitting the truck. And then I walked back over to the camp and the fire had already died down so much. It, It was just embers and coals. You know what I mean? Right. And it, it literally stayed around us for, I would say 30 to 45 minutes. And the only sort of windows I have out of my little tent is that little mesh stuff, but it's down by my feet. Right? And I can barely see out of the tent. I can kinda of see some sticks and some branches and stuff like that. But it stayed there till just before, you know, when the sun is about to come up and the black skies just starts turning blue, you know, and it starts to lighten up a little bit. It stayed around just to where you could kind of see a tint of blue in the sky instead of black and then it walked out of the camp in the same direction that it came from. And <laughs> <laughs> and just kept going and kept going and kept going. And in the morning I got up, well, I would say like an hour later when I didn't hear any footsteps, I didn't smell any smells. I, I unzipped my tent, you know, and I'm looking around outside and got my gun in my hand. The ice chest is dumped over again. And I got out of my tent and I was like, yo, yeah, are y'all awake? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, we're awake, you know. And I was like, what did you hear? What did you hear? We're, we're trying, like comparing notes, like like if I was having an acid flashback or something, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we all heard the same thing. That, and my friend with the shotgun, he was like, it brushed up against my tent. I swear to God, it brushed up against my tent. And we got out of our tents and we're looking around. The ice chest is tumped over and get our flashlights out. And I was like, well, whatever it is, it's gone. So I, I was like, I'm literally going to stay here until the sun comes up till we can see some stuff to see if we can find anything, you know what I mean? And in the morning, you know, the sun comes up, we stayed up another two, three hours. I'd say another two hours, the sun had come up to where we can really start seeing. And, you know, we had, we had camps, not on dirt or anything like that. It was all grass and needles and, and, and dead leaves and stuff. And we could see kind of where it had come in and it dawned on me. I was like, I think it went over to the truck. And then we ran over to the truck and we could see some muddy like smudges along the bed of the truck above the rear wheel on the driver's side. And we were just talking about it. We're like, man, there's, there's no way anybody's going to believe us. Like that is the scariest thing that has ever happened to us. And we talked about it literally the whole hour and a half drive home. You know what I mean? About what had happened to us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Armor, Mr. Will, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, sir. That's,
0: uh, that's, a, that's a night, I think. I, well, I've gone through something similar to that, but I wasn't armed and we didn't shoot, you know, because we weren't armed. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – anybody goes through any experience like that, it's definitely a harrowing one. Yeah.
2: And the thing is, is I, I, I'm a, a security professional, right? I've worked in the Texas prison system. I've worked in jails. I've been an armed personal bodyguard. Like when you, when you go through stuff like that, they train you to not be scared of people. Right. You know what I mean? And especially when you have a gun on you. But the thing is, is this was not a person. Mm-hmm. This was, this, this was far too big to be a person. And it, it was not scared of us. Apparently. Even not. when we shot at it, it was not scared of us. And it took us, I don't know, a couple of weeks of back and forth between me and my two friends talking about this till we started realizing some things. Like, okay, yeah, me and and him saw it because you weren't in the right position to see it. But we shot at it. We ran over there. We could still smell it, but there was nothing there, and we didn't hear it run off. And then it dawned on us, what if the thing climbed that tree?
0: I was just going to mention that.
2: And we didn't even think about looking up.
0: Sure. You know what I mean? Most we're people like, where's it at?
2: Where's it at? Exactly. And then it, if it did climb the tree, we would have heard it climb down.
0: Maybe. And we didn't. Maybe. Or yeah, there yeah were, maybe, yeah. Or there were multiple individuals there.
2: Exactly. I think what it was, was there was another one there. That's the one that walked up behind us. Because what we did is we stood up, turned around, and shot all in that direction, and then ran over there. I think that's when the first one climbed down and got out of the
0: way. Because your adrenaline's rushing, you know what I mean? Sure, and you're not focusing. Right. The other one was kind of like distracting us so that the first one could get out of there. Exactly. Yeah, they those, it, these things do some strange things, and they're very smart
2: oh, yeah, this thing was not a, a dumb animal. This I, I think it knew what the guns were. Absolutely. And it, it hid behind a tree big enough to, to protect itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And after all this, I mean, it, 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 it really, like, set into us. You know what I mean? Like, none of us have ever forgotten what has happened. Like, I have not been back to that section of woods in six years. I have not gone in there whatsoever. I'm not going to go back in there. I don't blame you. If I go hunting again, if I go hunting again, I'm going to go to somebody's super cleared out hunting ranch. You know what I mean? Where I know there's a person within right shot's distance. You know what I mean? You're,
0: you're more controlled situation. But I,
2: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I did some research, like, on the Internet, and I tried calling some people, like, within the first week, trying to tell them, like, hey, man, crazy stuff went on out there. And the research that I found says that I don't remember who this research was by, but they were, they were saying that they think that there's different types of research.
0: Right. right? Well, I actually and they put, think like that information out. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. And that's from an inside I, source. I have no <laughs> idea.
2: What... Okay. Okay. Uh, I read this somewhere on the internet and what, what it was saying was, was, like the stuff that happens on the west coast, like in California and Oregon and Washington, it's so mountainous that these 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 Sasquatch, they kinda have a fight or flight mentality. And in the mountainous areas, these things are more prone to just get out of dodge because they know they can climb a mountain way faster than a man can. But we're in we're in East Texas. Everything is flat. Mm-hmm. And so, what makes me think that that thing was trying to scare us up out of it? I think that's what the trees were. Right. That we cut down on the road. It was like them kind of saying, "Don't come back here. This is our this is our spot."
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. We have well, no idea. I, I don't know who wrote that on the internet, but that's uh, that flight or fight stuff. That's kind of nonsense. Um, you're talking about something that's an apex predator, and then privately, I'll tell right. you some I'll tell you some stuff about your area that's different than elsewhere. But I got you. um. I got you. Um, when they come in like that, territory, yes, big time territorial. Uh, as are all prim- yeah. all primates are very territorial. Um, mm-hmm. They were probably scoping you out. Had you been there more than one night, could have been very bad. No,
2: we we left the next day. We yeah. we looked around. We we left by nine thirty in the morning.
0: Yeah, smart move. But I'll uh, I'll share some stuff with you privately. They'll, they'll I help a little bit.
2: Now, one of those, one of the guys that was with me, now, we're, we're all, we're all outdoorsmen, but we're not like hardcore, go every hunting season kind of outdoorsmen. We kind of just, you know, we all have kids and stuff like that. We kind of go when we can. But I gave you a little insight of my background, but mm-hmm. the guy with the shotgun, he still goes hunting every year, but he goes to a private lease. Right. And he was in the Navy for six years and then my other friend he was raising the boy scouts and became an eagle scout and he goes hunting every so often but he goes to a private lease mm-hmm. not any one of us have gone back to the big thicket since that happened and sometimes you know friends or co-workers and stuff like that are talking about oh hunt he's coming and i'll ask him you know where you know where do you go hunting at oh i go here or i go there and if anybody mentions the big thicket i, I tell him like man you, you need to be careful Mm -hmm. don't ever go out into the big thicket hunting by yourself ever.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, I appreciate you telling me, uh, I want to share some stuff that you like said privately. Um, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up then unless you have something else you want to mention.
2: No, man, I, I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to my wacky story, man, because, like I said, I am not out for fame and fortune. I'm not out to, you know, capture or kill a Bigfoot. But
0: I don't I don't these con- things. I don't consider it wacky because this general situation you were in is very similar to one we were in um, some buddies and I when we were about um, eighteen and had oh, wow. a, a night like that with about four of these things surrounding the camp and it was it, it was on par with the situation that you just described and uh for anybody that goes through anything like that it's it's extremely frightening
2: oh yeah it's a game changer like i, I i'm not gonna go like i don't care if five guys want to come with me and we all have ak 47s
0: i'm not going in there like it's it's not happening yeah i understand <laughs> i don't blame you well aaron much appreciated. Let me, let, we'll go ahead and wrap up and uh, I'll proceed. All to right, Mr. Wood, I just stuff. want to say,
2: I just want to say, Hey man, thanks for listening to my story because I, I've told some other friends and stuff like that who have no interest in stuff like this. And I'm dead serious about what happened and what I saw. And a lot of people will just, are just, you know, in one ear and out the other ear. Oh, it's just some spooky story or something, but you know, what it's, tell it's you, it's not a story.
0: It's, it's very therapeutic when someone talks about what happened to them because there's many other people who've gone through similar experiences who would never talk about it. And when they right. listen, I, I can't tell you how many people have, have written to me saying, you know, my God, thank you. I, I experienced that exact same thing or something very similar to that. I, I um, you know, they think they're alone. And right, when, right. when people describe what happened to them, it, it really is a big help for other people, you know, who don't have the courage to right. come forward and say anything.
2: I understand because for, for a while, you know, we did have that doubt. Like, you know, if we tell somebody this, this happened, like they could think we're crazy. They could think we're
0: lying. Oh yeah. But it, it sure keeps me
2: out of that neck of the woods. Yeah, I I'll don't you blame that you.
0: Much. I don't blame you. All right, my friend, well, listen. We will we will chat again. Um and I'm going to like I said I'm going to send you some stuff, so uh thanks again for telling me. I'm, I really appreciate it. All right, Mr. Will, thanks for listening, bro. All right, aaron well, listen. You have a good night, my friend. No, right, you do the same. In Bigfoot History, Strawberry near Angel's Camp, Northern California, March 1963. Mrs. Linda Campbell, Aloha Oregon, phoned me on an open radio line show in Portland to say that on their honeymoon at Jack and Jill Ski Lodge, she and her new husband saw an eight to nine foot upright shaggy creature while they were on a hike. It ran off on its hind legs, they told the lodge owners, who said they had seen the same animal previously.
1: Times Reporter Has a Look at Tracks Says They're Real by Betty Allen, Humboldt Times Correspondent. September 1958, Willow Creek, California. This is my story about Bigfoot. Idle words about wanting to see the huge tracks which have been appearing on the Access Road construction job at Bluff Creek caught up with me Friday morning at 7 o'clock. Philip Ammon, a neighbor knocked at my door reminding me of the journey ahead. Checking with the Jess Bemis family, we found that there were new tracks to see. In the light traffic of early morning, we were soon rolling into Hoopa Valley with its light current of blue smoke hanging low. On the way to Wetchpec, five cows lay in peaceful contentment on a small turnout beside the road. A loaded logging truck passed within inches of their noses. On the one side of the road, drops in a sheer descent for hundreds of feet into the Trinity River. On the other side, a rock cliff towered high above us. On down the road, a mother pig and three half-grown piglets brought us to a full stop. On over the Wetchpeck Bridge and up along the Klamath River, we were soon climbing the easy grade out of the canyon on the Bluff Creek Road through a wide road and well-watered, we traveled slowly for this was totally new country to us. A driver of the water truck directed us to take the lower road around Onion Mountain to the construction site. Tremendous Cliff The country is standing on end in the steep ridges that rise higher and higher. Here and there were rough rock and tremendous cliffs, but it is all slide country. No sandstone or cave formations. Bluff Creek is a good-sized stream and looks like it would be fine for fishing. The rangers at Orleans say, for some reason, it is not. We talked briefly to Charles Doney, who was operating a tractor, and he offered us the use of his pickup truck. We never could have gone the remaining six miles otherwise. Here was a man's busy world. Heavy dirt movers working, but allowing us through. Jackhammer men had to pull their airlines out of our way. Extremely rough in some places, the road was unexpectedly smooth in others. What did we expect to see? Maybe one track, and we could say it was all a hoax. Or maybe an unexpected inner sight might give us the answer. Jerry Crew directed us to the location of the tracks. I'll show you those tracks, Crew said. I could tell that some of the construction men were quite skeptical. I am told that some of them wouldn't even go and take a look. The first actual line of tracks definitely jolted me. On the hard ground where Philip Ammon's number twelves made a very light imprint, the track of Bigfoot sunk a half to three quarters of an inch in depth. Twenty clear, deep footprints marched along the side of the traveled portion of the road. Eighteen more were seen at intervals where the tractors had not run over them. We followed them down the road for some distance and found them in both hard and soft earth, Gravel rolled out of the cut bank to the side of the road, and I quickly looked that way. I was nervous in realizing that I was in the middle of the forest growth. I looked back to see how far the men and the equipment were. The thought passed through my mind. Just what on earth is a peaceful old rocking chair grandmother doing here anyway? Doubts, hoax angle. We measured and studied the tracks. Could they be a hoax? Feet on the end of sticks? Rubber feet? Watching the activity of the men and how hard they were rushing their work to finish this portions of the road before winter, I could hardly see any of them putting in time at night, making three quarters of a mile of tracks of any kind. Bigfoot's tracks are in perfect proportion to what one would expect in their stride of sometimes sixty inches, fifty-two inches, or the one short step over a small mound of dirt which was 40 inches. Even the depth to which the track had been pressed into the ground was in keeping with their size. What brings Bigfoot into the area? My guess is that the gasoline lantern light at the cook's tent attracts the wanderer's interest. There are workers living in both small tents and trailers close by the road. Now, is this a phony? A human hoax? If it is a prank, it is so natural. Anyone with stilts with feet would have to have both foot impressions, but it isn't that easy to maneuver in the soft earth. If they are wearing novelty story feet, how do they weight them to get the right depth effect? And when a man works hard labor physical all day, does he feel like prowling about at night, missing his sleep to make funny footprints? Of Bigfoot, one of the bosses said, We have an agreement, the thing and I, but he doesn't know about it. If he leaves me alone, I'll leave him alone. We returned home, definitely no wiser, only knowing we had seen 38 perfect tracks at least 16 inches long and 7 inches wide. We saw them. We measured them. We are still puzzled. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil.